Hey guys, I don't know if you're like me, but I love Count the Dings and everything it has to offer. I just can't find everything I need. You know, I know about Cinephobe and I know about the mailbag and I know about Bomb, but that's all we do, right, I mean? No, we do so much more. What? Yeah, absolutely. If you sign up, patreon.com slash count the dings, you'll find a plethora of other content, fresh content, extended content, the OG pod overflow, the Cinephobe cold opens that we've taken and made their own thing to live only there. The Rewatchingtons, bomb in its full Ooh. and unadulterated cut, early drops of Cinephobe episodes, and so much more. You said the OG pod. Now, is it new or is it old? Mace, I'm glad you asked that. It is a new incarnation mm-hmm. of the old OG pod. Oh. So it's me, Zach, Trey, Waz, Tom. I love those guys. Just like we always were. Going back to the True Hoop days, mm-hmm. we're recreating that magic, recapturing it, and putting it back out. We're talking hoops. We're talking pop culture. And most importantly, we're talking for 40 minutes for free. Mm-hmm. But then another specific Patreon exclusive segment for every one of those episodes. Funny enough about that OG pod, you're getting Tom and Trey on Mondays. You're getting me and Waz, aka Zosny, on Wednesdays. Amin's floating in between. I'm a floater. You never know when you're going to get Amin in those, so you got to listen to them all. And what if I'm not sure what Maze looks like? Because I've always thought he's a fat man with a fedora. He's got a weird voice. How can I see for myself what this Maze character actually looks like? It's crazy you don't know the answer to this. Hmm. because it's the Cinephobe Pod YouTube page. What? The CT5s on the Cinephobe Pod YouTube page. You can look at all of us. You can get all the OG pods on YouTube too at CountTheDings1 on YouTube, at Cinephobe Pod on YouTube, patreon.com slash CountTheDings gets you everything all in one feed. You can link it to your Spotify. And now enjoy the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's Pack Your Knives. I'm Kevin Ornovitz. And I'm Tom Haverstroke. Tom, I know you've been waiting for Hot Brown to make its appearance on Top Chef 16 Kentucky. The definitive Kentucky food, the uh, a recipe created where you got married. You were very close to the hot brown. What was your hot brown take? Uh, the hot brown take is if you're hungover or if it's late night, uh, it is a delicious, perfect, sloppy. Uh, it's it's a delicious late night drunk food. And you know what? It was a perfect quick fire for, um, for, for this episode because I don't think you would want an, a dinner 
uh, as like a, a spinoff on a hot brown. But I think as a bite or a, a quick fire challenge, it was perfect. Yeah, you're right. This is very much what the quick fire is about. Hey, there's a singular dish. We want an interpretation. It doesn't need to be a major ordeal. Um, just to go over for our audience uh, what a hot brown is, though presumably they know if they watch the episode. We're talking about it as an open-faced turkey sandwich with some bacon and Mornay sauce, which is really, Tom, just the rich man's stadium cheese. Let's just call it what it <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah, totally. There's some tomato in there. It's a really amazing dish uh, if you're hungover or if you're. it's late night. So Lena Waithe was there, and she was like, you know what, when I'm – uh, in a new city, it's 3 a.m. Like, this is the kind of dish I want. So go do this dish. And they didn't even mention Master Nun. She's also master, on Master Nun. And it wasn't even part of her intro. But, hey. Uh, yeah, I was surprised to about that, too. I, I'm a fan. Like, winning personality. Lena Waithe. Uh, good judge. And, and also, I, I thought this was a really interesting moment kind of midway through the series to really take stock of where the chefs are, who's overthinking things, uh, kind of thematically where each chef has sort of cleared their throat mm-hmm. the first few weeks. They kind of know what they want to do. Uh, Adrian's a really interesting contestant to me right now because I thought early on uh, she had the potential to go out just because – not because of her cooking, but you know some judgment calls, trying to do a rolled pasta. You know, So much of the show is – is can you can you see the potential pitfalls of a challenge, be it elimination or quick buyer? Um, but she came up really, uh, really strong. It was a really interesting moment, I think, just sort of taking stock of the field. Uh, which of those uh, we we know that Justin won the quick buyer. Which of those was most appealing to you? I love what Justin's doing right now. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's inspired. I think he's um, he's just got. A full repertoire where I think like Adrian just knows how to do light cooking, like um, very natural uh, ingredients, um, something you would find like she's the perfect for like a Whole Foods uh, inspired dish like that is that is Adrian's cuisine. Whereas I think um, I, I didn't I, I think as soon as the Restaurant Wars episode happened, I think Adrian's just really hit her stride. Uh, and I thought maybe Justin after the Restaurant Wars would actually fall back. But he's he's coming on strong. So, you know, like like Eric, these these three, Eric, Justin, and Adrian, all were just kind of like laying low in the weeds for the first like five or six episodes of this season. And now they're just they're they're coming on big time. Yeah, Justin sort of, I think, did the ideal version of what a quick fire like what an interpretation elimination challenge or interpretation challenge would be. Right. So you need the turkey. OK, well, I'm going to do a fried turkey breast. You need Mornay. Well, what if I did a maple Mornay? Uh, we need bacon. I'll do a bacon jam. And then, oh, by the way, in, in deference to the late, great Adrian Bourdain, everything tastes better with an egg yolk. He mm-hmm. gets it. Uh, Eddie, interesting, goes light. And the speck turkey salad. And again, this is always the pitfall of the show. We, we, don't, we can't taste it ourselves. But I think it says a lot because basically Lena was basically saying that she likes to chow down on some greasy ass food and yeah. to come up. I mean, she made no bones about it. And Eddie goes really light, which I didn't expect it. I mean, that was kind of a dish I would expect it from Adrian. Um, and also, you know, uh, someone else went light. Uh, who was it who did the kind of the salad? Oh, was it the was it the crook? Kel- sure, it was the. I, I thought it was uh, Kelsey. Kelsey. Right, yeah. she did the. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, crook, <laughs> crook Madame with the champagne vinaigrette, which wasn't sufficiently decadent. Brandon kind of came through with the with the uh, the veggie version, eggplant, cauliflower, very Atherton, California, uh, paprika, turkey. But uh, and then, you know, Sarah's scotch eggs. By the way, Sarah's got a sausage problem. I really think Sarah, does. 
Sarah's trying to grind meat too frequently. And like, can I ask you a question? Have we ever seen anyone on this show ever win anything doing sausage? Mm, can't remember. Uh, it's very possible. I just don't remember. And and you know what? Like, um, it, I feel for Sarah because she she's buckled under the the Kentucky pressure at this point with the hot brown, and she was not bragging like, "Oh, I bet I can do a better hot brown interpretation than what was it, David, or was no, it Justin? Uh, Justin, Justin, who does have it apparently on his menu, right? We, right. That, that was that. That was it. Obviously, we didn't have that knowledge last week when we spoke to Justin. Uh, but, but you know, Sarah, let's not grind meat. Grind meat. By the way, can I rant about turkey for a second? Yeah, go ahead. I, I feel okay. like I can get behind this one without okay. even saying it. Yeah, yeah. You, you know what I'm going to say. So, so Brian did the hot, uh, the hot turkey. Uh, it was a little dry. I believe he he ended up white meat turkey is terrible. And I, I just this this is this is what we come up with every Thanksgiving. We have to idealize the turkey. The only reason. We eat turkey in North America is because a bunch of people with funny hats landed on Plymouth Rock. They didn't. They looked around, and the only thing that was available to them was this weird, strange bird gobbling around the landscape. Like do you, Tom, when you go to Europe, do you ever see turkey on a menu? No. Do you ever see turkey in France and Italy in the great culinary? Do you ever see when you like you go to Vietnam and, and the great Asian capitals of food, Japan? You never see turkey. You know why? Because the rest of the world knows, Tom, that turkey's a bullshit meat. It's, it's a, a trash bullshit meat. protein. Yeah. It's a trash meat and white meat turkey might as well just be eating styrofoam. So anybody who would serve me white meat turkey, I got to tell you, man. Like, so, like, I know you frequent Disney out World. On turkey. You no, frequent, I, you, I know you go every week. So <laughs> the, the giant turkey leg, you're okay with the giant turkey leg, the, the caveman turkey leg because right, so, it's dark meat. I spend summer, a little bit of the summer in Colorado, and like one of the farmer's markets I go to in the mountains has sort of, you know, the, the prepared foods along with the produce, and the prepared food's always the big turkey. Like, even for, a, it's like, it's okay, it's decent, but it's still turkey, right? Like, like it, it's guilt-free because it's pure protein, it's been smoked, but at the end of the day, it's still turkey. Now, at least that's dark meat, the leg. But yes. I'm talking about white meat turkey is just... That 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 is some low quality protein that really should be abolished from you, from any menu. Do you think the greatest marketer in the United States is the turkey marketer? Well, yeah, because like you know what happened in like the '90s when we all wanted to eat healthier, and turkey was sort of presented as you go to En Bas Pan or Panera and you get yourself you know the the healthy lunch of the '90s before we realized that carbohydrates were terrible for you and, and got you fat was sort of the the turkey sandwich on whole wheat. Put a little slice of avocado on that guy, <laughs> mustard but not mayonnaise, lettuce and tomato, and then like and that's how you got out of lunch, you know, with a W, right? Where you didn't feel guilty. So like in turkey was sort of the meat that didn't make you feel guilty. You know why it doesn't make you feel guilty? Because it's terrible. Because it offers no taste or sustenance. And you need just a. a- gallon of Marnay, Mornay sauce to make it palatable. That's that's what that's what you're getting at. You just need bacon, to, uh, Mornay sauce, and tomatoes, and like fried to make it good. Exactly. So that was quick fire. Justin comes up on top. You, you like the way he's cooking right now. He we, we we think he had the best fourth place dish ever last week. Oh yeah, he's uh he's on on fire right now. And you know what? Um, he's not the biggest point getter so far. That would be your boy uh, Eddie. But uh, he's. I'm feeling pretty good about him. I'm feeling I'm feeling really good about him, Justin, and I mean, sorry, uh, him, Adrian, and, and Kelsey. Brian, we'll talk about it, but uh, yeah, that was the quick fire. 
So the two celebrities on this episode were Dario Caccini, who is apparently like the world's greatest butcher from Italy, doesn't speak a lick of English, apparently, <laughs> but was so damn charming. It was great. And Tom, one of my true heroes of Los Angeles cooking, Nancy Silverton. You know what we need to do, Tom? When you come to Los Angeles, she has what's called kind of the mozzaplex. Jonathan Gold, I think, named it the Mozzaplex, the late, great Jonathan Gold. She has Pizzeria Mozza next to Osteria Mozza next to Kispaka, where I once with our friend Andrew Hahn had a delicious tomahawk pork chop, I believe. Mm. Um, and it's kind of all, as she said, it celebrates meat. We need to have a progressive dinner uh, on those because they're three next door to each other. Um, and Nancy Silverton, uh, her, you know, maybe her greatest fame among uh, aside from Mozzaplex was the La Brea Bakery. Uh, which really set the standard for Los Angeles in the 90s, uh, was very happy to see Nancy Silverton on this episode as a guest judge. But the takeaway, Tom, I think the headline of the Elimination Challenge, each each uh, contestant got a big-ass cut of beef. And the takeaway, Tom, is they all kind of fudged it. It was one of the most disappointing Elimination Challenges. Tom, Padma, um, Mr. Caccini, Nancy Silver, nobody could really hide their disappointment. And the, 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 they just laid one egg after another. Even the great dishes were like, eh. Like, no one really nailed it. And a Brian, lot of. Brian, yeah. what are you doing, man? You're the butcher. And you got Get, the ribeye, which is, as you know. Kind oh, of, my God. Like, you got the rib, You got the big bone ribeye. You're the butcher of the group. Uh, and you give this little pretty um, little. It looked like a filet mignon just right there. Uh, like like like. Come on, man. This is your forte. Go in. Go all in. Prove that you know what you're doing. Uh, and you need some fat on there. I was disappointed. But Dario Caccini. I was like, where is that name from? I I think I know him. If anyone has ever read the book Heat by Bill Buford. Uh, he goes over to Italy. Uh, the New York Times writer goes to Italy and just decides, I'm going to learn how to be a chef or a cook or I'm just going to I love eating. So I'm just going to go to Tuscany and learn how to like uh, cook. Mario Batali takes him under his wing. Dario Caccini takes him under his wing. And I didn't realize, Kevin, how much of a psycho this guy is. But reading rereading the book, I opened the book back up here to like remember the kind of little anecdotes that this guy is but he just looks like a nightmarish character um carne 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 and he's got the big blade and he's and the flies are flying around the carcass there um so dario apparently is notorious in in tuscany where he's just the known as the best butcher in the world but there's one story where a lady on a busy saturday kevin walked into his butcher shop and got a, a, her first like big beef uh order and she asks Dario, she says, is it good? Is the meat good? And he goes, is it good? And this is in all in Italian. He goes, is it good? Well, why don't we find out? He takes her big hunk of meat and just takes a giant bite out of the meat. I love Ra- raw meat. I love that. Wraps it back up, chews on it for a good minute, wraps up the meat, puts the sticker on it, hands it to her and says, yeah, it's really good. And she just runs away. And this is the kind of guy we're dealing with here, Dario Caccini, Mr. Carne, 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 is he's going to take a bite out of your meat when you go to the butcher and hand it back to you. And apparently, 
This is now akin to getting an autograph. If you go to his butcher shop, Kevin, <laughs> you go like a bunch of people heard this story and they're like, I want Dario to take a bite out of my meat. And so anytime that you go in, you can ask him to take a bite out of your uh, ribeye or your chuck or whatever it is and bring it home. It's almost like an autograph. Does he weigh it before or after the bite? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, can we just uh, celebrate for 45 seconds Bill Buford in general uh, among the thugs is a, a Tom, as a sports writer, you must read Among the Thugs. Uh, one of his, uh, I mean, his other kind of iconic kind of book. And the other thing about Bill Buford is uh, he was the editor of Granta, which is sort of a literary journal, came out as a paperback quarterly. And it was honestly, like, I, I think in terms of turning me on to writing just as a craft, like when I was like late high school, early college, I just like, I had a subscription. Like Granta was brilliant. He was the editor for, I, I think, forever. Um and uh, I just Bill Buford. I mean, what a freaking genius! I, I think yes. the challenge, Tom. There's a larger theme that has even beyond. It's a big Top Chef theme, and really, I think a big cooking theme, which is there's this tension in cooking. Like we really love elevated food, right? That element of surprise when you and I go to like a, a funky restaurant, the novelty that comes with seeing something you've never seen before or like flavors that have never been used in combination before, mm-hmm. funky textures. Like we love that. I mean, it's one of the reasons we'll go spend money on a, a, going to a restaurant to do stuff that we can't do. And But there's also this competing satisfaction with the familiarity, right? The perfect execution of something we know and we love. You know, there's a reason they call it comfort food. So the trick is knowing when an ingredient or a situation, whether you're on the show or at a restaurant, you know, calls for the first or the second, whether it calls to be elevated or calls to be just comfort. And and then there's the ingenuity of the chef. And I think you and I had a meal like this in the last couple of years. Like when we went to Bruce Kalman's union, Uh, where Mm. he no longer is, Uh, there was that beautiful thing that he could do, which is take kind of comfort Italian and sort of elevate it so that you get a little bit of both. But I think, you know, when I heard Colicchio at the judge's table, what he was basically bitching about is, guys, this was not about, this was not an elevation of food challenge. This was a comfort, take the meat, take the ingredient. And and I forget which guest judge said, look, I hope somebody just brings out something we can pick up off the bone and and yeah. frankly do a cuccini thing right like like tear your teeth into it and like all the chefs kind of seem like they're a little bit erring on the side of elevation even those who don't really have the technique to do it and but i think it exposed one of the great tensions of food right now which is do you want to be a voltaggio or you know do you want to be like just just perfect the comfort item at the right time, in the right context, with the right flavor. Right, and that's the thing that I'm really torn about with Brian on this one, is not only did he like cut off all the fat off of his ribeye, and it was just um, just like a bare, not, not, I mean, no pun intended, a bare bones ribeye, but the thing is, he didn't cook it properly. So you, you struck out on the concept, and then the execution was off too. I am stunned that he didn't go home. I am stunned because there's almost like there's almost he's he's coming in with a handicap because they know the whole the whole judges tables know that this is his bag. He is the butcher of this group, and he comes in and it's. And it's like a, a basketball player uh, coming in. And it's like, okay, you're going to come in, shoot the three-pointer, and we're going to be done with this game. And he just, like, throws it over the backboard. Well, right. And again, I mean, I, and 
I'm biased because ribeye is my cut. That's my house cut. You come to my house right now. They're they're ten pounds of ribeyes that I you know, I get from the mail order place sitting in my freezer. Like ribeye, beautifully marbled, on the bone, off the bone. It doesn't matter. You can do anything with the ribeye. Little dry heat, finish it in the pan. Start in the pan, finish it in the oven. Like it doesn't matter. Like ribeye is. It's frankly pretty hard to fuck up. I mean, even my amateur ass skills. You know, I could cook I could cook uh, ribeyes for six people. Um, so the elimination starts with two tartars, one fatal, obviously, and, and that's Brandon, who's tartar with miso egg sauce. He needed to thicken the sauce. You know, that's always one of the, oh, man, I feel his pain because, like, <laughs> you know, because when you're doing a sauce and it just doesn't have that thickness and maybe a little olive oil, but, like, maybe some agar, you know, agar agar, I think it is. I have in my my spice rack some i have some xanthan gum i started using because i wanted to do like a beet a beet gel and start funking you know screwing around with plating one day so i bought the xanthan gum and it's a really weird ingredient and i'm not really advanced enough to know how to use it but he start he went on tilt right and it's that thing where the sauce wasn't thick enough you've got to do something like and and he just kind of got himself into a hole and david who've been cooking great food kind of went tartar but they weren't very impressed uh tom pretty much said it in the kitchen right I think we all love a tartare, but it's kind of a missed opportunity when you're dealing with, you know, good cuts of meat. You know, I, I I'm going to push back on that from Tom because I kind of feel like um, I love raw meat. I love tartare, and the whole Top Chef this season has been all about crudo, has been about taking the flavor, the natural flavor, and maximizing it. And I feel like they could have done well with the tartare. I don't disagree with the idea of doing tartare. Um, but when his, uh, what was it like grapeseed oil that, that he needed to, that, that fell in the, yeah, it's, the, it's a very neutral oil. So when that, when that happened, I was like, oh, he's done. When the top of the, of the, uh, the oil, whatever pour, I don't even know what word I'm looking for there, but it fell in the top fell off. And then he just like a, uh, a gallon of that stuff just fell in. I, I felt for him. Cause then you gotta, then you gotta completely, change the dish and he throws in the xanthan gum he tries to get scientific and i just thought to myself wait a minute there's xanthan gum in the kitchen like did that not occur to you kevin at all where it's like well, no it's 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 a it's an ingredient like if you want to make like those cool gels that you see like at a you know at a at a, at a, at a kind of one of those gastro places the molecular gastronomy places like like it is something that'll help you do those kind of funky gels that are on the plate you know with the schmear right um, so it's it's not an unusual item okay. For, for something like that. By the way, my favorite tartare in the world is Korean, uh, you know, the yakko. I don't know if you ever go no. to a – it's got like – it's Asian pear, kind of julienne Asian pear, a hunk of raw meat, and then an egg yolk. And it is like – like I have made it here. And actually the beef is actually almost not frozen but just off the freeze, like just thawed to the point. And like that is my favorite. I was hoping somebody would do that if they were going to do a tartare. Um, just because I, I just think the Koreans have nailed tartare, like it, it is, it is, it cannot be improved upon. Uh, it, it, it is, it is an amazing dish. But you know, David got kind of middle of the road for his. Uh, the three top uh, contestants. Wow, your yeah. man Justin with his flank steak. By the way, you know, I never thought about it because I eat my meat so rare. Like I'm kind of cachini. Like I was biting. Like when I'm, I gotta, I gotta confess something to you, Tom. Like when I'm marinating. Like a ribeye, I'll kind of take a little bite. I'll take a little. I'll take a little. <laughs> Dario, you know that little piece hanging off the, uh, 
you know, the edge, like that little corner. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. But um, I never thought about because I make flank steak a lot because it's good for a group. You get these nice two pound flank steaks. I get up at Harmony Farms in La Crescenta and, uh, you know, perfect for four people, right? Eight ounces each. I never think about that I probably maybe need to leave it on a little longer, that maybe flank take steak is better at, at medium, rare, medium. Uh, and, and Justin served at medium, which I think you and I would like, if we win a steak medium, like we'd kick the guy out of the... Yep. Yeah, like, you know, but he did the creamy polenta, the greens, I mean, a pretty basic plate, but, but you know, just nailed by it. virtue, the fact yeah. that he nailed the protein, right? Like we've always said this on the show, Tom, nail the protein and you're not going home and you're probably finishing above 500. Yeah, and um, you know what, Kevin? You've got the front runner. Eddie, you, Eddie yep. is crushing the competition right now. Uh, the confidence, the quiet confidence, the nervous confidence. I think it's a nervous uh, confidence. I think it is. I don't know that it's confidence either. I think it's still appropriate fear that's driving him. He's he's smiling ear to ear now. Uh, it is it is all coming together for Eddie. And man, he uh, he did another amazing dish. Creative. A gl- what was it? A glump? A glumpski? Yeah. So my family uh, comes from a shtetl in Poland. Uh, much of my family, and uh, like so, I, I kind of grew up on the on the rolled cabbage with the meat inside. It was always served with like a sweet and sour tomato sauce, kind of uh, very chemische kind of thing. I'm starting but, uh, to think, Kevin, that yes. you actually have seen all this with Eddie, and that's why he was your top pick because he's doing every dish he was out of your playbook right now. Very, by the way, gutsy in a romaine leaf rather than cabbage where you bake it. Like, I was really surprised at one. Didn't it have the look of a dish to you that would be competent, appreciated, but not not really knock their socks off on a night where they, you know, somebody was going to give them a really beautifully cooked piece of uh, you know of of rich meat like i was really surprised he won uh it must have been that good yeah um it was it it, what i liked about it was it really took some thought like he had it it wasn't like you know what i'm gonna just uh put some meat on a plate and braise it and be good with it it was i'm gonna really show some technique here and maybe there was a case of you know, it was a down year in the NBA, and this the Nets went to the finals, and the yeah. Spurs came out on top, and he just won. He happened to win that year, but man, um, I think that dish could have could have won any elimination challenge. Yeah, I have I, I have no idea. It must have been that good. By the way, the dish I would have ordered off the menu was uh, Adrian. I mean, a black and blue strip with collards of oh, the green yes. garlic dressing kind of. Kevin, a, I got to oh, tell yes. you, I think you and I both have a kind of an affinity <laughs> for that black and blue. I mean, that was that that would have been what I ordered off the menu. Um, and, and so kudos. I think, you know, Adrian's really I mean, has there been a chef in the competition, maybe other than Justin, who in the last three to four weeks has really just stepped forward ripped off a series of successes and really I think has supplanted herself pretty high up the food chain. She's number two. She's number two in the points yeah. uh, for for our competition. She's at 20. Um, and your boy Eddie at 28. Uh, before we bring on our guests, let's quickly run through the losers. Sarah's got to get out of the sausage business. She's <laughs> got to get out of the sausage business. By the way, sympathy to her. Like oh. the, the plate cut is just garbage. And I was sort of researching this. I never heard of the plate cut. It's all that like crap below the rib. It is just a low rent piece of meat. Like, and so you got to feel for her. I understand the instinct because at first I was frustrated with her, and then I was I went and did the research. I was like, oh man, like plate cuts is just that's like drawn. Did, that's like an, that's an expansion draft item. 
did did Padma have to really cut her cut her knees there? Just cut her cut her down like that? Oh, remind the, me what she said. Well, she just said, "I'm really disappointed." It's some something. Oh to God! That oh yeah, the whole Kentucky thing. Like you're the local. Oof. Like that was rough, man. Padma. Just, wow. I mean, you might have just putting the dunce capper on her. I mean, geez, that was really that was really heavy. Rough. A heavy blow, you know. Like uh, we're supposed to think that they're being objective here and 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 grading people based on the food, but then when Padma comes in with that comment, it's like, wait a minute, is she operating on a on a handicap here? Like, is this? Is this uh, is this is she have to do twice as good to just um, impress the judges just because oh, of where she's from? That was rough. Okay, so finally, one last comment about the competition. Um, I you know brazing is a funny thing, and I don't think it's a coincidence that yeah the three braised dishes yeah finished in the middle uh, weren't really complimented all that great. Like I. I don't. I can't. Again, going back to sausage, I don't know that I remember a braise that has won a competition. And so far as braising, just takes time. And one of the defining qualities of Top Chef Tom is your time is limited. And how many times have we seen someone try to braise something, and as the clock started, ten minutes, everybody. Oh yeah, my braise. The meat's not as tender as I'd like it to be. Like, I think stop braising meat on. Top Chef. Stop braising unless yep. you have like two frigging days because braising just requires time and that's all it requires. You sear it, you frigging braise it, and unless you have the requisite time, you know, it'll be fine. You know, Eric's dish was fine. Michelle's braise, fine. Kelsey's braise, fine. It's fine. You know what's not fine, Kevin? What's not fine? When David said Chipotle. Hello, listener. Guess who's back? It's me, Anthony Mays, your favorite butcher-turned-podcast producer, and I'm here to talk to you about ButcherBox. ButcherBox is the most convenient way to get high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust delivered straight to your doorstep, free shipping, vacuum-sealed packaging. It's ready to go right then. It's ready to pop in the freezer. You get exclusive member deals and a variety of high quality cuts at an amazing value. Going to the grocery store can be a huge pain. You're usually in a rush at an inconvenient time. You're waiting in line at the meat counter. You're taking a number. Maybe this place doesn't have a number. You're jostling with fellow customers. You're trying to get that ribeye that you want or that nice piece of salmon. Maybe the butcher that you're dealing with has a bad attitude or something. I don't know. That was never me, I promise. But maybe it happens. ButcherBox takes all of that out of the picture. You are always prepared with meat and seafood in the freezer, and you're not going to find quality for this price anywhere else other than ButcherBox. So sign up at butcherbox.com dings, D-I-N-G-S, and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com dings and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S, to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. It's not Chipotle, okay? It's Chipotle. All right. He said that he used uh, chipotle in his dish, his steak tartare. Whenever I go to a restaurant, Kevin, and they misspell chipotle with a chipotle, you're out of there, man. You're just picking I'm out. Up. 
You're out. You, you I'm leave. Out. Fold I'm out. that napkin on the table. You just you're out. And, you're and eating David at Jack in the Box around the corner, man. Yes, yeah, you. yeah. I'm I'm gone. I'm gone. I'm hitting the I'm hitting the uh, the Chick Fil A. You know what? I'm I'm gonna go hit the Bojangles. Uh, that that. Oh, you know, here's the thing. Sometimes on a menu, it's a typo. It's a typo. They just hit the T key before the L key, uh, and, and it's not or the after that. But but David actually pronounced it as a as Chipotle. So you know what, David? I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a free pass on that one. It your your your. You know, it's Top Chef. You're under the gun. It's, it's under not, pressure. It's Top Chef, not Chop Chipotle. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, um, speaking of uh, really um, mistakes, I don't know if we want to call it a mistake, but uh, Brother Luck is going to be our guest, special guest this week because uh, we have lots to talk about with him. Not just hey, his decision last week. Uh, if you didn't catch it on uh, on Last Chance Kitchen, he decided. You know what? I'm good. I'm 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 good with this. I'm gone. Um, but also what it's like to come back into the competition, uh, also to come back to Last Chance Kitchen. So let's try to ring up uh, our guy, Brother Luck. Let's do it. Welcome to the Pack Your Knives podcast again. Brother Luck, our old friend from season 15. Uh, Kevin did not see you in the hotel lobby area when we went to Restaurant Wars, but that would have been funny if he did because you were on the show last year. Um, You competed in Last Chance Kitchen last year. You came back uh, and you came back in this episode, uh, this season. Uh, what was it like to get back into Top Chef? What was the thought process? Did they reach out to you? Did you reach out to them? Um, and did you know that you were going to be just back at Last Chance Kitchen? Uh, man, I think I'm just a sucker for pain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they uh, they they reached out to me. They said, "Hey, you know, we uh, we would love for you to consider coming back to do the season. Um, you know, we're looking at doing uh, some veterans on Last Chance Kitchen." And, you know, you, you have such a, a cool presence. Uh, we think it would be, uh, be fun to give you another shot. So after, uh, much decision, uh, and thinking, I, I went for it. And, uh, you know, I know I felt, I felt unfinished. I mean, last chance kitchen was, was kind of my home. I think I did more, more on last chance kitchen than I did on top chef. Yeah. You're sort of, it's interesting, brother. You're, you're a specialist. I think you lead, I think you're the all time win loss, winning percentage, total win, uh, leader in top uh, in last chance kitchen I, I guess my question to you is what is the defining feature of that particular challenge that you think sort of just like matches your sensibility or your skills or your strengths yeah you know i i think uh i'm a fighter and uh um I, i'd much rather scrap one-on-one than uh deal with you know group challenges and parameters and like just let me do what i do and and, and that that competition style of last chance kitchen started to really suit me um yeah you, you're, you're I, not I you're not one to, to follow you're not one to follow directions <laughs> it's <laughs> no not at all <laughs> i think that's why i work for myself um you know i i think uh, i think that was uh that was really where it was is i was able to strategize a little bit easier in last chance kitchen you know there's there's certain things if you actually go back and watch where tom will sit there and, and give you kind of the challenge and i don't pay attention you know i'm not listening well, Tom, I mean, I never listen when Tom tells me what to do, but um, 
I'm, I'm actually looking at the dry pantry most of the time. I'm looking at the, the produce. I'm designing most of my dishes before time even starts. So, you know, I, I've, I've always done well in that, that setting because of that. So what is, what is the difference uh, in the housing setup? So if you're on the show, if you're in the competition, you're at the big house. And then if you're in Last Chance Kitchen, you're at a hotel, a separate hotel? You're, you're, yeah, you're sequestered. You're, you're stuck in a hotel with no phone. You know, you got your, your TV with your 12 channels, and, and that's about it. So, Were you at the um, A-Loft you know, in Louisville, brother? I was. I was, yeah. Well, you yeah. and I, we were, we were cohabitating. We just didn't know it. Oh, man. You know, I was, uh, I was, uh, I was in that gym trying to, trying to get as much as I could. (laughs) (laughs) So the, so you get, you get like five episodes in on last chance kitchen. You're just mowing them down. Uh, actually let me back up here. Um, did you know Carrie was going to be on before you got there? No, I had no idea who was going to be there, you know, but yeah, I think it doesn't really matter. Like, you know, last chance kitchen is last chance kitchen. Like, you got to deliver and you've got to, you've got to make sure that you're not, you're not the worst. And, and when they set it up to be kind of the, the group challenge where it's like two or three competitors, I mean, it doesn't matter if, if, as long as you don't lose that round. I mean, I think that's kind of my strategy going into it is you don't need to be on top because, you know, you can be on top this week and the next week you're gone. So it's, it's a, it's a long-term uh, side battle. You might have you might have tunnel vision. You might have your earmuffs on. You're just totally in the zone. But who is the worst in the peanut gallery? Like who's the loudest? Who's silent uh, of the, of the spectators? Who's who's shouting at you guys the most? Uh, last season or this season? Either one. Either one. Um, you know, I, I think this season was tough. Uh, uh, Kate, Caitlin, man, she she got a mouth on her. I, I think that's. Uh, you, something you didn't expect. I mean, she caught me off guard a few times and then you got, you know, you can, you can hear them while you're cooking and, you know, you can hear, you know, Jim who is like the ultimate fan and, and this, he's, he's analyzing every single move you make. It's like, it's like playing ball and listening to the commentators every time you run past center court. It's like, you, you just, you try not to listen to them. Cause it, what, cause you're going to get inside your own head or overthink things and, well, you know, you, you're in such a short time frame. Like you've got to make a decision because if, if, if you lose um, any momentum or, or you, you start to question yourself and, and you second guess yourself, um, there's no recovery. I mean, Top Chef is, is all about recovery. Last Chance Kitchen takes away uh, that, that option because it's, it's, it's very short amount of time. So I think that's why I just, I always did well in quick fires and I always did well in, in Last Chance Kitchen is because, I don't need time. You know, the more time you give me, the more I got time to think about it. And I'm too left-handed to think about everything. So I overthink (laughs) everything. No, this sort of affirms one of our theories, which is the greater the limitation, sort of the easier the challenge for most contestants. I don't know that that's true of everybody. But like when they throw you guys in the woods where like, here, cook over this single match and go kill your own, <laughs> like go find your ant, your protein in the wild, and like you have to climb a tree to do the accompaniments. Like I think all of a sudden it actually becomes easier. No, for sure. You know, and even like going back to that that snow episode last season. Um, you know, the the challenge wasn't cooking outside over a campfire. Like everybody was fine with that. It was we were out there for thirty six hours, and and trying to keep your food from freezing and then thawing it back out and, and trying to, you know, you're executing a dish for four people on a platter. 
I mean, how much time do you really need to pull that off? So, you know, you're, you're stuck with a lot of dead time. And that's where, like, you'll see that, that slide that I built last year was me and two just jacking around. Like we built a whole sled, uh, you know, set up and had producers and, and camera people all going down at all the contestants. And, you know, poor Bruce is over there. Like, you guys are idiots. You guys are going home. And then two went home and I was in the bottom. So <laughs> guess he was right. <laughs> So in this in this uh, last chance kitchen, there was a curveball where the uh, you're going against Nini. Uh, I believe I have this right, and they come back, and the contestants are coming back, and they're going to be basically your line cooks, your sous chefs, and you have to meet all these people cold, and then give them assignments. Did you feel like there was a little bit of a uh, sabotage or treason or there was talk about that on the show but did you get any sense that maybe they weren't totally behind you what was that whole experience like i mean you know i i knew i was walking into a into a hostile situation uh hostile part of that cast I, that, that was 100 percent. like you know i'm i'm season 15 and, and our click was our click and i knew i wasn't going to be welcomed uh if i made it on but you know when, when i heard the challenge it was it was actually a, a bonus for me because I had already mentally prepared to do all that in my head by myself. So the fact that I now got five hands, that, <laughs> that took such a weight off of my shoulders. Um, I wasn't worried about uh, who, the, who the people were, the personalities. I mean, you've made it on Top Chef. You, you're, you're, at this point in your career, you're accomplished, you're skilled, um, you can play. So I just need you to listen. I'm in charge. Let's go. This is what we got to get done, and let's get it done. And, uh, you know, my job as a, as a leader and as a supervisor and as, as a chef was to just pay attention and make sure that I was the final taster. I was the one that was signing off on everything before it went out. But, I mean, skill set wise, these guys were all talented. I have to ask you about your parents because I'm sort of fascinated with your backstory. So they were traveling exotic dancers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, my father, my father was an exotic dancer. Um, well, but, but what is what is a male exotic dancer like? We're not talking about strippers, were they? Like, like I don't. Yeah, a stripper. You know. Yeah, I'm Kevin. To, I'm about to put a thong on and, and a turban, and great man Dingo's going to appear. You know what I mean? <laughs> no like, shit. So wait, wait. <laughs> I mean, are we talking about like like ping pong balls coming out of orifices in in Bangkok kind of stuff? Hey, you, you know, you know, I was not, I was not there for any of that. So I to <laughs> try to visualize what happened. <laughs> that, that was, that was the, the, the niche. Um, you know, my, my mother was a friend with my father's roommate, so that's how they all met. And uh, yeah, he was, he was a dancer. She was a dancer. And uh, you know, I came up in that. That I don't know if you guys are familiar with San Francisco, but like I came up in that Mitchell brother uh, theater, the cinema. Um, that wow. Charlie Sheen, Emilio Estevez movie they made where the brothers shot the other one. Holy cow. Okay, so, because like, here's the thing you must needed years of therapy because, like, isn't like the great cliche that nobody wants to think about their parents in any kind of sexual context? And, like, not only do you have to, like, it's just, it's, it's embedded in your entire existence. Like, I'm amazed you're as well I mean, adjusted as you are. No, that's a, that's a lot of therapy. And I think Top Chef's the ultimate <laughs> therapy. I mean, when you got yeah. somebody. When you got somebody sitting there watching you and, and recording you for, you know, hours on hours and then listening and making notes and then they sit you in a room for like three hours and be like, well, why'd you make this decision? You're like, I don't know. They're like, well, you said this and this and this. And you're like, well, shit, I, I guess you're right. I probably did. <laughs> it so makes more sense. Like you, I had a. Your voyeurism is basically part of your whole DNA. Yeah. Oh, 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I grew, I grew up in Frisco in the 80s. Like, you know, <laughs> that was the real San Francisco. So you're, you're um, in this competition, you come in as the outsider um, into the house. And they, I don't know if this is just editing, but it seemed like you truly were the outsider and you felt like out of place there. Like they was were, that, is, I mean, let's just call it what it is, Tom. They were dicks. Yes. They were dicks. Like, and, just, and I like this when, group of people by and large, but they were total just, fucking Kevin, dicks. And just when you thought it was just like that episode, they begin this most this recent episode. This is our house. Like, come on. We will protect this house. No, Eric, man. You come know on, that, man. That, that, that's pride. That's pride. And, and I, 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 I personally didn't experience anybody being disrespectful to me as a, as a grown man. And, you know, they were, they were very welcoming. You know what's what said behind closed doors when the when the producer hypes you up. You know that's 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 on you because they're gonna they're gonna play that edit all day long. Um, I just happen to have that experience and and know not to know not to say those things. Um, and and they had a field day with it. But you know I'll I'll tell you like having having a relationship with all those chefs afterwards. Um, I've been very fortunate to just be a part of their careers, be able to give them guidance, be able to give them you know advice. Uh, what I've learned over the last year, I think I think more more top chef veterans need to do that for the new cast members because you don't know you're walking into this and you think you're going to be famous all of a sudden. You know the hustle just 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 starts. Uh, okay, uh, Kevin, congratulations! You're now going to be on Top Chef next season. Uh, I just brought you Brother Luck here to advise you, to prep you, to coach you for uh, for the next season. So, brother, what would you like to say to Kevin, who's going to be on Top Chef? Uh, follow everything Tom says, every rule. <laughs> yes, that, 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 that is I mean, fatal flaw there, right? You know, you know I, I, I think that the, the thing that to remember when you walk into that is be yourself, like be real. Like you, you want to walk into this opportunity um, and gain as much as you can out of it. But at the end of the day, like this is a business, you know, that's a TV show. It's about entertainment. They're selling advertisement. And, and they're looking for ratings. So you got to play that up. Cooking in my restaurant is completely cooked different than cooking on TV. You know, it takes me, takes me days and days and days to, to figure a dish out. I got 20 minutes. So you got you to gotta consider that side of it as well. All right. So I want to do a little quick fire for you. All right. And just number one, best meal you've had in the last year. That best was not self-prepared. Um, no, for sure. Uh, Butterpunk, Chris. Katsuji, myself, and my wife had one of the most amazing meals. Uh, Katsuji sat there and cried. Like, it was that good. <laughs> what was the star no, dish? Not possible. So, not possible. So, star dish that night? Uh, I mean, I mean the, the biscuits, but yeah. the Kool Aid pickles, um, the mac and cheese was on point. It was cooked perfectly. The oxtails. Uh, oh, yeah, Chris, oxtails. Is, Chris is one of my favorite chefs. I, I love that. That soul food is is becoming recognized as as um, high profile cuisine, and and he is the definition of that storyline and, and that that style. Tom, and if I, I end up with the Brooklyn Nets combo, I gotta go, I gotta get over there finally. I really do. Well, he's, he's no longer in Brooklyn; he's out in uh, Connecticut. So that's uh, right, Bird, Kevin. Oh, so yeah, I Kevin. Harvard. That's Kevin, he's in Bridgeport, Connecticut now. He is – I mean yep. you've got Bruce Kalman and Tyler Anderson's pizza joint to choose from, Kevin, when you go up to Bristol. Now you got this uh, chef Chris Scott's got the Birdman juke joint in Bridgeport in Black Rock. 
Um, so it's it's hot. Look, who knew that Connecticut would be such a um, an epicenter of cuisine and culinary uh, creativity? But here more, we go. More than just pizza. So am I, I, am I to assume that my next the answer to my next question brother is uh like you're president of the united states you get to bring in your chef right like that's 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 the only reason i would ever want to be president is like that you just get to like you know you know have your own chef and they make you food whenever you want am i to assume that chris would be the 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 white house chef oh man that would i'd, I'd weigh 400 pounds um <laughs> man that, i i think it'd be amazing to have chris as, as the uh the chef of the white house we might have to rename it to the black house because you know you, we got one and a half I love looking at Chris's food. Tom, I think you and I were both big fans because we both have that kind of soul food weakness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I can't wait to get out to his Bridgeport spot. Um, since my folks live uh, just like 15 minutes away, I got I to gotta go hit that up. Do we know when it's going to open, brother? Uh, I haven't heard an exact date, but I know he's, he's working hard on it. Speaking of which, what are you working on these days, brother? Um, and where can we find some Brother Luck food? Uh, so I'm in Colorado Springs, which is about an hour south of Denver. Um, love it down here. I have uh, two restaurants, one open right now that's been open called Four. Uh, Four is based on on the Southwest, uh, re- redefining Southwest, and also being here in the Four Corners. So that's where you'll see a lot of that storyline. Um, and then I'm opening up Lucky Dumpling. So uh, you know, it's kind of I obviously like Asian food. I travel Asia a lot, and um, I think I'm I'm probably going to put some German egg rolls on the menu. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a nice callback. So I I have to ask you, what was behind the decision to uh, dip out of Last Chance Kitchen? It seemed like a very authentic uh, emotional moment there uh, in the in the episode where you just said, "I'm I'm done. I'm 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 done with Last Chance Kitchen." Best of luck to all yeah, the rest. I of mean, the, the, there, there's a there's a number of things. I mean, you know, first and foremost. Uh, you know, uh, who wants to win the show by constantly coming back? Like, you're not going to be a fan favorite. You're not going to be, you're not going to, you're going to have like an asterisk by your name for winning that way. Um, and I, I know I could have gone back and, and really held my own in, in another round of Last Chance Kitchen, but for what? You know, if, if I can't win the show straight up, why win the show? And uh, I've had Did my Did you know that when you were going in? Shows. Did you know that going in, like, if I'm going back into the competition, I'm not going back to last chance kitchen or was it in the moment you just realized I don't have it in me? No, it wasn't even that I did have it in me. It was, it was just, I was done. You know, I was, I was done um, trying to prove myself and seek validation. And, uh, you know, I, I thought all those chefs deserve a shot and I don't want to stand in the way as another veteran, just lingering, 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 trying to get in the club. Like, um, you know, I'm already part of the guest list. Uh, but I think the other thing a lot of people don't realize is, you know, I come from a, a very, you know, broken background and, um, I had, a, I had a really bad PTSD moment when I was, when I was out there and, uh, it, it triggered real hard. It was something I didn't expect. And, uh, I, I just knew I needed to get out of that situation. Wow. Can you tell us a little about it or at the risk of being invasive? No, no, for sure. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, when you come from a, a background where you're constantly neglected or, or pushed to the side or, you know, that love isn't there and, and you go through a lot of trauma when it comes to violence and it comes to aggression, um, you know, that's something I've worked hard to, to persevere past. Um, I think top, being on Top Chef, I didn't expect to, to trigger those emotions, but like, you know, being told you're not good enough, like time to go, 
and then be putting in a hotel room by yourself and like uh-huh. it just it, it hit so many it hit so much of my anxiety my depression um and i just i knew that was you know nobody was there for me so you know that was probably one of the first times in my life where i didn't just suck it up and deal with it you know i made a choice to leave for my well-being and, and i'm very proud of that moment um i don't regret it not at all Good for you, man. I don't think we, Kevin, I don't think we talk, we try to talk about it, but I don't think we can possibly talk enough about the solitude and how you're, you're, uh, you're in solitary confinement on this show sometimes. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, that's a hard place to be because, you know, you remove from every bit of your, of your support system. You have, you know, no phone, you have no internet communication, you have no radio, you have no books. You you are forced to interact with these Wait, people. They don't and, let you bring you know, books. <laughs> no, you can't even. No, like like a novel. You, you know, write write it. Yeah, right. That's why when you watch like someone like like uh, Kelsey this season or someone like um, Adrian last season, the the their their books are phenomenal because that's all you have. That's your diary. That's your ledger. That's your that's your outlet. I mean, you don't you don't have anything else. So. Oh, wow. You know, so a, you can a, have a, a all you have is a journal, basically. That that's it, and it's blank when you get there. You know, because they check it. Make so sure you don't bring no recipes in. Yeah, you're basically like Tom Hanks with a friggin' volleyball, looking at like that's basically what you are. <laughs> <laughs> Wilson. <Yeah. laughs> oh man. So uh, so you're you're in a hotel room for how long? How long were you at Last Chance Kitchen? How like what were the like how many days, weeks, months? Um, I was out there for a couple of weeks. Uh, because it's, it, you know, it's more than what a lot of, what a lot of the viewers don't realize is last chance kitchen is usually filmed in one to two days. So, um, last season I took on two Tanya, Claudette, Fati and Joe in one day. Oh, oh my God. All that shit is one day. Oh my God. Oh, that's right. Blew my so, mind. I just so, learned that, you know, I, I, are you allowed to drink, I, I drink it? Are you allowed to drink? I mean, water. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can, but you know, I mean, if you want to, you want to lock, you know, hold yourself back a little bit. But uh, you know, even this season, I I took on. Let's see, we had uh, the first veteran round with Caitlin, and then we had uh, we had um, well, who else? Natalie. Uh, I think Natalie was right. Natalie then. and then Kevin, yeah. and then Kevin, and then the the three of us went at it, and then. Um, Kevin, yeah, this guy is a me. machine. He's back to back to back to back. That's unreal. I recently yeah, he, learned that Hollywood Squares back in the day, they taped all five episodes in one day. I guess it's like that. And they were crazy. drunk for the they're Thursday crazy. and Friday episodes. That was why I asked. <laughs> oh, that's why you asked. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I think that's the other piece, too, where, where a lot of a lot of viewers don't realize is, you know, I, I literally filmed all five episodes in that one day was told come back tomorrow. We're going to have the finale against you and Nini. Um, got back to the hotel, got some sleep, got up early, was back at set, uh, went in, did that final round with Nini. Um, ended up getting on the show, which straight into the show, uh, they took me, um, to, they took me to the, uh, to the shop. Still by the Whole Foods. Oh. Yep. Went back to the, went back to the set, filmed a, a two hour prep. And then you got to go back to the house for night reality. So I, I literally walked into the house on night reality, you know, uh, and, and you got to film that part of it, try to get some sleep. And then I was right into an elimination challenge. I mean, it, it was, it was, it was a tough 72 hours for me. Wow. Hey brother, 
Really appreciate the time. Um, you, you, you're, you're a legend. You're one of the more interesting contestants we, this show's ever had. You know, it's, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I always will be. I'm, I'm honored to be a part of the family. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's built some great relationships and, and, you know, just, just getting to, getting to, to reach people, get a platform. So I think it's more, it's more about the platform and what you do with it and then, than the notoriety. And, uh, I've, I've met some very special people because of the opportunities Top Chef's giving me. So I'm, I'm just totally stoked to be a part of it. Kevin, what if we have a Denver final in the NBA? Oh, we might have to get to, uh, oh, we could totally go down on that, like, and that, 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 was, that off day. Oh, that's an easy one, man. We will, if the Nuggets are in the finals, you will be seeing us at four, uh, or if the new place is, I mean, we, we will be there. Yeah, we'll have, to, we'll have to throw like a fun night. I mean, I, we, I bring a lot of the chef's tires, so I've got Fasto and Harry coming down. Um, we're going to cook at her restaurant on the 1st, February 1st, and then we're going to cook at my restaurant on the 2nd. So, Oh, she's in the know, Springs, she, too? She will be out here. Uh, she's in Denver. All right, so she's an hour okay. away. Um, but, yeah, two, two I'm working on getting two out here for, uh, you know, probably a, a, a fun little throwdown. Uh, love love that guy to death. Still one of my best friends. And, yeah, that's, um, that's Kevin's first round pick, uh, first overall pick last year, I believe. Right, Kevin? You know, two's a beast, man. Yeah, I, I was – I had high hopes, and I'm the sure fish he, sauce, the fish, the fish sauce, sauce empire. Yes, <laughs> his his food is his food is so amazing, and you know he's one of the most genuine, nicest people you will ever meet. And uh, man, I just that's my brother. We both from Oakland, so you know that was uh, we 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 stayed in trouble on set. We didn't know how to how to behave when we were around each other. They had to keep us separate most of the time because you know we just click like that. Uh, Oakland spot, your favorite o- Oakland spot. In case we uh, we go back to Oakland this year. Oh man, that's easy. You know I'm a rep Brown Sugar Kitchen. Like, yeah, <laughs> Tanya's a piece, man. You know, you gotta you gotta show love to the to the other you know family members. I, I think that's always important. First and foremost, is you know we're we're more powerful when we work together and support each other. So you know we keep that message strong through all the seasons. Awesome, man. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Um, we really appreciate it, especially opening up. I think you're going to help a lot of people but with your message and just uh, keep doing you, man. Nah, for sure. I'm always, always going to be me. It's real. It's, it's, uh, even if it's, uh, you know, German, German egg rolls and, you know, what was it? Like, yeah, what, what, what was the dish <laughs> at the canopy? Mo- uh, liver, mousse, peanut, banh mi, oh, parfait. banh mi, banh mi. Yeah, that was that was silly. I didn't realize. Uh, I thought he said make a. I thought it was a pairing, so I tried to do the exact opposite of the the drink. Oh! So it would be a balance. But it, it wasn't. Changes it was everything. Supposed to be an inspiration. Oh yeah, like the spicy made sense because the drink was so like sweet and refreshing and, and acidic. So it was it was supposed to go as a contrast, but it, wow. it went as a contrast. It just <laughs> that <laughs> that sleep, that I changes guess. everything. Well, Kevin, we have a lot yeah. to think about. Yes. Uh, brother just dropped some knowledge on us on this episode. Kevin, why don't you take us Hi. out here, man? Uh, brother Luck, thank you for joining us. For Tom Haverstrow, this is Kevin Arnoitz, and this is Pack Your Knives. Thanks, brother. Have a great one. Not for sure.